Today's scripture comes from Psalm chapter 46, verses 10 through 11. We're going to read this in the ESV, and you can find this in your pew Bibles, uh, which are should be ESVs, or if you have your own uh, Bible or Bible app that you brought. Um, and we're going to do an alternate reading. It's only two verses, so I'll read the first verse, and we'll all respond, say aloud, the verse after that. And so if you could please stand as able once you're ready to read the scripture, that'd be great. Again, it's Psalm chapter 46, verses 10 through 11. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right, friends. Well, uh, you know, we are continuing our, our sermon series. Uh, our, our, it's really our theme for the whole summer, where we're trying to give very practical suggestions, right? Uh, some practical tips, uh, things that I have found helpful. And so today's message is called, Put Down Your Phone. I fully recognize, brothers and sisters, the irony that I've got all these gadgets up here that are telling you to put down your phone. Uh, it's not that phones aren't useful, but maybe they're blocking us from a greater reality. And that greater reality was actually found in the scripture. It was a very short scripture. And there's actually a word that we did not speak, that we did not read when we read the scripture. Most of us don't. It appears over and over in the Psalms. It actually appears 78 times in the Hebrew Bible and 71 times in the Psalms. It's a little Hebrew word, and sometimes it'll be in italics. It'll be in kind of the margin of your Bible. Did you guys see what it was? I'll show you uh, when we put that word back in. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Yeah, that's the word. It's a little Hebrew word, and many of us do not read it when we read the scripture. We just kind of gloss over it. It's not translated for us. It just remains the Hebrew form. Why? Because we're not exactly sure what it means. (laughs) No one really knows. There's many guesses. Uh, The Psalms, as you know, were meant to be songs in most forms. And uh, so what we think is that it may have been a musical term a musical or liturgical term that meant for you to pause, right? To just stop. Now, this is the thing. There are only three psalms, and Psalm 46 is one of them, where Selah appears at the very end of the psalm, right? So you know it's a self-contained song, so the song is over. Now it's telling you to pause, we think it's kind of similar to like that squiggly line. It kind of, it, it, you know, it's like that squiggly Z looking thing in, in, in music for those of you guys who play instruments or know how to read music, which means to pause or rest, right? But what doesn't make sense is why would you tell people to rest at the end of the song? So it seems to be that the meaning is not merely just for musical purposes. So other scholars think that the word selah is related to a Hebrew root word that means to hang or to measure or weigh. So that kind of fits with the idea of pausing, right? And so maybe it's as if that the word selah is telling you to just let the silence hang for a moment, right? To just pause and and, and use that time to just let the words hang, to measure and weight them, right? 
and, and to just kind of let them be significant, right? Just, just, just let it sink in. And so I think that's what Selah is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be a pause. And I think that that's what a lot of us need in this world. We need more pauses. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you need a pause? Do you ever feel like you, you wish you could just stop your life for a moment? There, there was a, a movie that came out in 2006 called Click with Adam Sandler. It's kind of a silly movie. But the movie is about a man who gets a universal remote that controls the universe. <laughs> and so whenever life gets overwhelming, he can just pause. He's getting in an argument, and he just needs to catch his breath. And, and his wife is yelling at him. He puts the pause button. If there's parts of life that he doesn't like, he fast-forwards through it, right? And that actually has all kinds of uh, consequences. But do you ever feel like you had a pause button for life? You know, life is just going so fast. Brothers and sisters, we find that oftentimes. Life is just going so quickly, and it's so noisy. It's so frenetic and active and frenzied and hurried and This is the thing, brothers and sisters. The reason why we call this message, put down your phone, is that this phone, which is a technological marvel, right? I mean, it's just amazing how technology is coming along. The the things you can do with this phone, it's wonderful. And yet, this phone is very much contributing to the problem, isn't it? Because this is the thing. This phone is enabling us to never have to pause. It used to be that one would work, and then you would leave work. You'd clock out at 5 p.m. or whatever, right? And all your work would be left in the office, and you would get go home, and you would get to pause with your family. And you get to pause and, you know, maybe listen to the radio or whatever, right? But now you can take your work home with you. You can do email. And you can do your work well into the night. You can do your work while you're talking to your significant other. I highly don't recommend it. If you value your significant other, you value your health. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) But you can. Many people do. Many people try, right? And, you know, you can have nonstop entertainment. You can watch shows and movies, and you could do that right now when you're supposed to be listening to the message, right? You can play games, right? You can do all this stuff, and you can do it without stopping. You do not need to pause. You can stay connected to your social network. You can get a constant stream of information about the world via the World Wide Web beamed into your advice, and you can be connected 24-7 without stop. Right? Now, brothers and sisters, they often say there's something called technology lag, right? We develop a technology, but we don't ask the question, should we? (laughs) Or is it good? Or should we put limits on it? Right? And so we have to ask the question, well, what's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with just staying connected all the time, with never having a pause? Well, brothers and sisters, I think that there are. I mean, first of all, I want to ask the question. So I I just have a series of questions I want to ask you today. So first question is, what compels us to be on our phones all the time? Why do we feel like we have to be on these phones? Because let's be honest, brothers and sisters, how many of you have gone to a party and you see, you go in and just everyone is on their phone, right? 
It used to be that parties would be parties, and people would talk and mingle and have a good time and dance and sing. Or Okay, maybe not sing. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know why I threw that in there. Maybe it's a karaoke party. But, but, you know, we used to interact. But how many times have you walked in to a restaurant and just everyone's on their phone, right? You know, maybe, maybe they are eating, but they're eating while they're on their phone. Why? Why? Brothers and sisters, our phones... Um, you know, can keep us connected, can give us entertainment, and they also serve as distraction. This is the thing. I think that many of us, we don't like pauses. I think we need pauses, and I'm going to try to sell you on this, right? I'm going to try to convince you that you need pauses in your life, but we don't like pauses. There was a study that was done where they offered people, on one hand, you could do 10 minutes of silence, no talking, just be still. Can't get up, you sit in your chair for 10 minutes. Or you can get a mild electric shock. Now, uh, not everybody chose, uh, you know, the mild electric shock, but a surprising percentage of people chose a, an electric shock over having to be quiet and still for 10 minutes. I know I tell the story a lot. But I, I think it illustrates the point. A couple years ago, over the summer, we were practicing this in LGM. Some of you were here. And we would do 10 minutes of silence at the end of the service. And so during that 10 minutes of silence, I have to tell you, I have never, ever seen so many people have to go to the bathroom at the same time. <laughs> Why? Maybe it's similar to that whole electric shock thing, right? That's how much we don't like silence. We don't like to sit still. <laughs> there's something within us. Maybe part of it is because of the world we live in. This world is so phonetic. This world is always moving. Maybe it's this thing called FOMO. Have you heard of FOMO, the fear of missing out? Well, they're on their phone. It looks like they're having fun playing Candy Crush. I better go play Candy Crush, you know? It looks like they're getting stuff done. Then I need to get stuff done. You know, I got to keep up with the Joneses or the Kims or whatever, right? I, I have to be productive because everyone else is being productive. If I don't, then the world will pass me by. It's one of the myths that we have in this world, the myth of scarcity. There's only so much to go around, and there's only so many cookies on the table, and other people are grabbing their cookies. You better grab your cookie while you can, right? Because if you don't, then the world will pass you by. And then there's this other idea of, I mean, we even use it oftentimes when we use the word silence. We often put an adjective in front of it called awkward. We call it awkward silence. Maybe some of you experienced beautiful, agonizing, holy, awkward silence before service today, during the fellowship time. (laughs) Someone came to talk to you and you ran out of things to talk about. So you're just like, I like your shoes. I mean, why? Why? Why did I have to say that? Did I really like their shoes or did I just want to fill the silence? Was there something threatening about that silence? This is the thing, brothers and sisters. For many of us in this world, yes, silence is awkward. And part of the reason why silence is awkward is because the threats that exist in this world no longer as much, I mean, they do a little bit, but they no longer really exist out there. They mostly exist in here and here. What do I mean that, by that, brothers and sisters? Well, we, we, 
you know, live in a world that, you know, is mostly free of predators. I mean, let's be honest, right? There's not a lot of, you, you haven't seen a lot of lions around, have you? Right? You haven't seen a lot of bears that try to eat you on your way to church this morning, right? But you have a nervous system that is built for a world that the danger was out there, not in here. And so this is the messed up thing, is that the danger that's out there, we're very well equipped for that. Your nervous system, your brain, your mind, it is designed to keep you safe from that. So when you sense danger, this is what happens. You get ready to run or fight, right? We call it fight or flight. That's what you're built for. Now, this is the thing. The things that exist within here and here, fighting or fleeing from them does nothing. It actually makes it worse. I've been studying this thing called acceptance commitment therapy. And uh, one of the tenets of acceptance commitment therapy, which is uh, this kind of new wave therapy that's very, very successful, people have found. Um, But one of their central tenets is this. When you are unable or unwilling to face discomfort, pain, or any kind of of, uh, difficult feelings or emotions or thoughts, it is a guarantee that you face it more. Let me say that again. If you are unwilling to face something uncomfortable or difficult, it's a guarantee you'll face it more. Right? I'll give you a real quick example. We call it the, the pink bear example. Right? Imagine that I tell everyone in this room, don't think about a pink bear. All right? I want you to try really, really hard. Like, fight it. Fight it. Don't think about a pink bear. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> right? I mean, we could actually do this, but we don't have to do the experiment for you to know that you trying not to think about a pink bear will make you think about a pink bear more. Right? Isn't that weird? Right? So it's, it's this strange thing about human beings is that the more you try to fight, not the threats that are out there, but the threats that are in here, the more you try to run from them, they actually get worse. And so, brothers and sisters, that's what we're doing oftentimes when we're on our phone. You're in a social situation, and you don't like the awkwardness, so you just like, oh, man, I don't like how this makes me feel. You know, and so you go on your phone, right? You're bored. You're sad. You're anxious. Whatever. Whatever's going on. You, you want to procrastinate. There's something that, that you're not facing in life. So you go on your phone, right? Or you go on your device or you go on your computer or you do something to fill in the gap. That uncomfortable gap. But that uncomfortable gap, brothers and sisters, is where everything can happen. Now, this is the thing. What are we, so, so this is the second question. What is the price we pay for not being present for our lives? Because I think this is what's happening. We're getting distracted. We're getting sucked into digital worlds. We're getting sucked into places where we are not present to what's around us. Because oftentimes, what is present around us feels threatening, right? We live in a world, this is why, I, I mean, you know, just... It's going to throw a bone to the kingdom of God because we talk about it a lot. And so I won't get into all this stuff, but this is why we talk so much. I know, brothers and sisters, if you've heard me preach before, you're probably getting sick of me talking about the kingdom of God, but we need to. Why? Because most of us are not living there. We're not. We're living in a kingdom of fear. We're living in a kingdom where everything is random. Everything in this world happens randomly. 
you should be afraid, or so we think, right? So we got to protect ourselves. We got to run. We got to hide. We got to fight. We got to hustle for our worth. We got to hustle for our money. We got to hustle for significance, right? Because if we don't, well, hey, we live in a random world. No one's going to do it for us. I mean, it's so unsafe out there. There's so many things that can happen. And you feel that. You feel it in your heart. You feel it in your nervous system. Maybe some of you have that kind of low-level anxiety that, ah, 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 almost all the time. It's become an epidemic in this world. Mental illness is an epidemic in this world, right? And so, brothers and sisters, we have to learn to live in a different world. Now, this is the thing. Most of us, the way we work in this world is we run on autopilot. The things we do, the thoughts we think, the emotions we have, it's almost like a computer program. It just does, right? It's based on your previous behavior, your previous thoughts, and all of that forms an amalgamation of who you are, and you just automatically do it. So many of us, our responses to life are not anything that we choose, right? This is why conversations are so frustrating. Right? Have you ever gotten in an internet? Uh, in, 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 internet? Well, I, I, I started to glitch, right? <laughs> That's weird. Talking <laughs> internet. <laughs> so, have you ever gotten in an internet argument with someone? It's the dumbest thing. It is so stupid, right? Because you are not going to change anyone's mind. I remember I used to like chat with people over like Facebook Messenger, and we would get in like heated debates, right? And I stopped doing this. You know why? Because I realized that I would like write something and I would like think through my response. Like, okay, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. I'm going to change their mind. They're going to believe in God. It's going to be awesome, right? And I carefully thought out this thing. I write out a manifesto, right? You know when that bubble pops up, that blue bubble, just boop, you know, the bubble's off the screen. It's just, it's a masterpiece, right? And, And just boop. The bubble goes up there, and as soon as the bubble goes up there, not a second passes where I see three little dots at the bottom. What does that mean? What does that mean? They're typing. They didn't read what I wrote? They can't. It's not physically possible, right? It's going to take you a good, I don't know, five, seven minutes to read that. Maybe it'll take even longer to process it. But they're not reading. They're not listening. They're just responding. They maybe picked out a couple words. Maybe they already knew what they were going to say. They didn't even read anything. And they're already responding. This is what happens in a world where there are no pauses. No one's mind gets changed. No one's. Right? That's why political debates are so ridiculous. You just hear people just talking at each other. No listening. No listening. No pausing right? You're going to get what you always get. That's it. You're playing out a program. You're playing out a series of responses that were going to happen anyways. You're just responding to your environment. And this is why so many people get stuck. Do you ever get stuck? You get stuck in anxiety. You get stuck in depression. You get stuck in procrastination. You get stuck in a rut. Why? Because you're playing out the same patterns. If that's what you got before, why do you think it's going to be any different? Why do you think it's going to be any different? Your life, your mind is playing out the same drama that it did 
over and over and over again, unless, unless you interrupt it. That's where the holy pause comes in. But before we get to that, I want to talk again about what is that price we pay for not being present for our lives? I think we miss out on so much, so much beauty around us. You know, so many things that can remind us that God is God. Be still and know that I am God. Selah, pause, soak that in. Be still and know that I am God. For many of us, I mean, we, we, just, we just go. We're not paying attention, you know? Um, so this, this happened like, uh, I want to say it was like about a year ago. Um, many of you know, part of my spiritual practice is I try to spend 20 minutes in silence every day uh, in contemplative prayer. And uh, I like to do this at the park. So I was at the park. I was at Lily Park. I like to get there in the morning because in the morning, sometimes you can see these beautiful cranes. There's two kinds of very common cranes in Michigan. There's the uh, the blue heron. It's, it's kind of more grayish, but they're both these beautiful birds. They've got long necks, long beaks, you know, just a huge wingspan. They're, they're really beautiful birds. And uh, there's also the great egret, which is white. It's like completely white. The great egret used to be uh, endangered because uh, at the turn of the century, people would hunt the great egret for their, their beautiful white feathers, and they used to put them in women's hats. And so uh, just kind of a little trivia for you, the Audubon Society, their um, mascot is the great egret, and, and so because they were endangered. But they no longer are. They've kind of rebounded very well through conservation efforts, and you can see them. If you go to a local park, you can see them. But this is the thing about... Uh, Cranes, uh, egrets, and uh, the, the herons, they are very shy. And so I go early in the morning where there's not a lot of people. If you go to a park where it's very busy and noisy, they, they stay away, right? But when it's quiet, when it's still, this beautiful bird sometimes will show up, right? I, I think it's almost like symbolic of the Holy Spirit, isn't it, right? When you're quiet, when you're still, it'll show up. And so this one morning, it's about 9 o'clock in the morning, um, I'm going over this pond at Lily Park and, and going over this bridge, and I spot a, a, a great egret. It's the closest I've ever seen one at the time. It's like maybe kind of where that brown door is from where I am, right? And so I'm just like, like oh, I'm just going to be still. I'm just going to, yeah, I don't want to spook it, right? And then while I'm being still and watching it, these two people come walking down the bridge, right? And one is on his phone, and the other person is talking to him. Right? So they look like a couple. I don't know if they were a couple. but So, you know, one guy's on his phone, and the other person's, like, talking to him. So I'm like, this is not a very efficient conversation, but whatever. So, or maybe they think it's super efficient. They're like, we're walking and productive and talking and connecting, and you're really not doing any of them, right? But whatever. So they're doing that. They're coming down, and, you know, I'm not like the, the chattiest person in the world. I'm not the most outgoing. But it was just so beautiful. I wanted to share it with them, right? So I stopped them. I'm like, hey, do you guys want to see something really cool? Right over there is a great egret. And so the guy, without uh, looking up from his phone, and, and the woman doesn't even acknowledge me, but the, the, the guy at least talks to me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, really cool, great egret. And they just keep walking, Right? So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just going to enjoy the great egret by myself, 
And, and so I, I'm not making this up, brothers and sisters. This is a true story, right? Uh, so this is the thing. I've been kind of chasing these birds, and I go early in the morning to see them. But, and sometimes you'll see them kind of flying in the distance, right? But I've never seen one fly up close. But about five minutes after they passed and walked down the path, this great egret sort of spread its wings, and it did, did a flyover right over me. Like, like, like almost like buzz my hair, right? Just flew right over me, right? God's like, you want to get a closer look? <laughs> you know, and I didn't know this, but I told you about those other uh, crane-like birds, the, the, the blue herons. There were two in the thrushes on opposite sides of the pond, and they both also did flyovers, all in the span of about two minutes. And this happens, and I'm shaking, and I'm crying. It's so beautiful. Right? And, and, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, this is so awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you for letting me see this. And those guys, they could have seen it too. <laughs> if they had waited with me, they could have seen this beautiful sight. But yeah, 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 great egret, cool. Right? And they just passed it by. Now, I've told this story before too. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of sound like a jerk a little bit in the story. But um, I, <laughs> when we went to uh, Mexico, and uh, just at night, the, the sun would set, and just this beautiful orange orb that is the sun would melt into the ocean. And we would watch it every night, and we would like do like a prayer meeting at night, and like people would start getting antsy. They're like, Pastor Steve, come on, let's go see the sunset. And you know, one of the times we're watching it, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, it's so beautiful. And I turned to everyone and was like, you know, guys, this happens every night. I didn't mean it to sound so jerky, but, uh, but it's true. It happens every night. This miracle happens every night. But we don't see it. We don't see it. We're not noticing. We're not paying attention to the beauty all around us. This beauty. Next week, we're, we're going to talk a lot about nature. Um, we'll talk about um, the real practical effects of nature. There's, there's all this research about it. And so we'll get more into that. But brothers and sisters, what is the price we are paying? And what could possibly happen if we started doing what? If we started making pauses, building pauses into your life. I like to call them holy pauses. Now, brothers and sisters, maybe for some of you, you know, 10 minutes of silence is too agonizing for you right now. Maybe you've heard me talk about my 20 minutes of silence. I know some people have, and they try it, and they're like, Pastor Steve, this is too hard. I can't do it. I can't sit still for that long. Neither could I. you gotta, you got to kind of learn, right? But at the same time, um, I have learned that this is so important. It's so important that I can't afford not to do it. Because, brothers and sisters, if I want anything different in my life, right? If I want anything different, if I'm not experiencing peace, how am I going to get that piece? Is it going to be by doing more things? <laughs> Is it going to be by getting noisier, right? Moving faster? No. It's going to be by pausing. If I'm like in the middle of a shame storm, have you guys ever been in a shame storm? You're just hating on yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that, right? And, and you're just, your emotions are revved up, right? You're just beating on yourself. And you can't help it. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't stop thinking about this mistake I made. Ah, ah, how are you going to stop it? How are you going to change that? You got to pause. 
just about anything in our lives that is not going the way that God desires it to. What is required to change course, to change direction, and this is true in your cars, you can't suddenly change direction without a pause, without hitting the brakes, right? You must pause first. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to find ways to find holy pauses. Maybe for some of you who drive, you know, you like to play music uh, in the car. Maybe you like to listen to podcasts or whatever, you know. Maybe that's a time for a holy pause. You can turn off the music, you know. And just as you're driving to work, you know, maybe you drive where the sun's starting to come up. It's beautiful. Why don't you notice that? You know, take some time. Just pause, right? You know, there are many times you can do this. You know, you can take a walk. Most of you have neighborhoods that you can walk in, right? And just walk around. This is what I used to do before I got the nerve to go to a park. I know this is weird, but I was, like, intimidated by parks. I don't know. (laughs) But I would just walk around my neighborhood at first and just look at the trees. Just take a holy pause every day. Maybe when you're walking the dog, you know, brothers and sisters, the title of the message, put down your phone. Maybe put down your phone. Maybe when you're at church before service starts, and maybe it's a little awkward, all the people are crowded around the donuts talking, I don't know anyone, I don't know anyone, you want to hop on your phone, maybe you go in the prayer room and you pause there. I mean, isn't that kind of what prayer is? It's a holy pause. It's giving God an opportunity to break in. It doesn't mean you're instantly going to feel better. That's the world that you're addicted to. This world where it's like like moving and shaking, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. I can't stop moving, I got to keep up with everyone. Right, And that uh, uh, world is a world where you control it. Prayer doesn't work that way. Prayer works much slower, much more mysteriously. It doesn't mean when you pause, all of a sudden, all your problems will go away. I can't promise you that. But the more you practice at it, you're giving God a chance. You're giving the Holy Spirit a chance. right? And not pausing and continuing to freak out in your mind and play out all these scenarios and try to fix everything in your mind and just freaking out, but to pause and maybe just this one thought. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Steve is not God. I am God. When I go to the park, I used to hate uh, because uh, most of the parks I go to are by very busy roads. And you just hear all these cars just, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to pray, you know? But honestly, I've actually started to appreciate that. And there's a reason why. Because sometimes when I go to that park, I would feel like, oh my gosh, like, like I got to do something. I I, I can't sit still for 10, 20 minutes. No, I got to be busy. I got to write emails. I got to write my sermon or whatever, you know? I got to make it happen. You know, but sometimes when I'm at that park and I hear the cars zipping around, it's a reminder. You know what, Steve? The world's going to run just fine without you. It doesn't need you for 20 minutes. Take a break, right? The earth is going to keep spinning. God is still going to be God. You're okay. You're okay. Just, just be still. Just chill out <laughs> for 10 minutes. And this is the thing, brothers and sisters. If you want to know when you need this holy pause, I mean, I think any time is good. But take the fruit of the Spirit and reverse it. That's when you need the holy pause. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
when you're not in love, <laughs> when, you're, when you're in hate, you're in rage, when you're not so patient, when you're not in self-control, right? With, with all of these things, when you're anxious, when you're depressed, when you're restless, right? When you're feeling all these things, normally what most of us do, brothers and sisters, I do it too. I'm not here to incriminate you in any way. I do it too. Normally in those moments, most of us, we just whip out the phone, right? But that is your cue. That is your cue that you need a holy pause. When you're not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, but instead you're in impatience. Instead you're in worry. Instead, you're in anger. Instead, you're in shame. Instead, you're in fear. We need to reverse the script, right? And so I want to encourage you to find those moments, however you can. You know, be creative with this. You can do this in your home. You don't need to go to a park to do it, right? You you could do it in bed before night, you know. Uh, Don't don't make that your prime way to pray because you'll fall asleep. (laughs) But maybe that's not so bad either. But we need times to pause. You know, maybe you could read Psalm 46 before you do it. And in fact, this is how I want to close the scripture, uh, close the, the message today. I want to read Psalm 46 for you again. But what I want to do, actually, I'm going to read the whole thing. We're not going to put this up here, but you can just listen. You can look it up if you want to. But I'm going to read Psalm 46 for you again. But in Psalm 46, there are three selahs. And I'm going to actually speak the Selah and then pause. And we're going to just give a moment. It's not going to be a a hugely long moment, but we're just going to let those words linger for a moment, okay? Is that cool? All right, let's close with Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let's just let this beautiful, holy time of silence, let's just pause before God. Um, Let's do this as the praise team, if you guys can come up for the closing praise.
Precious God, it is our desire to let you be God in our lives. I know so often we try to play God. We try to control. We try to run. We try to fight. We try to make things happen, God. But Lord, may I be reminded. May each and every one of us be reminded that we are not God. And that's a good thing. God, we can trust you. We can lean into you. We can create these spaces for you to be God. We know, God, that you are trustworthy. God, we know that you're loving because you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us. We know you are worthy. We know you are powerful because you raised him from the dead. And so, God, we can give you our lives. So you are trustworthy. You are the source of our life anyways. We forget that sometimes. We get so narrow and provincial in our field of view. It gets so limited when all we see is the problems around us. All we see, all we feel is our brains buzzing within us. But God, may we pause and know, and know, and know in the depths of our beings that you are God. That you, are, that you love us, that you are with us, that you will never abandon us. We are safe with you, God. And you will always be for us. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.